1: What would you like the power to
0: do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. My parents sent me to my grandma's house and all her Mahjong friends came over and it was like a whole treat and they would just chat about stuff, probably be gossiping about friends or things like that. Sometimes I would just sit next to grandma. She'd let me pick the tiles. I would try to play for her sometimes and I get my wrist slapped literally for that. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. because as a kid, just by osmosis, you just kick it up, right? All the things I know about Indian culture come from all of that stuff. Mom and dad cooking Indian food five out of seven nights a week, playing bhajans and Bollywood tunes in the house, the Indian dinner party, all their friends were Indian people, right? Even though we were removed from the culture, there was just so much saturation of the culture. Yeah,
0: when I think about how I grew up, where the culture and the heritage and the language was passed down. So to your point, it's just by osmosis, it was just very understood, like something that we all celebrated and everybody knew what those traditions were. As a community, we were engaging with those. Welcome to Modern Minorities.
2: This is a show about work and life, told through the lens of what makes each of us different.
0: I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City.
2: And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. family. Oh, okay. Like your husband and your two boys? No, more like heritage. Ah, I get it. So this is your lead-in for a very special AAPI Heritage Month episode. So which past Asian Friends of the Pod should we get to talk about their Asian family traditions? Maybe, I don't know, Jean Lun Yang? How about Kamala Khan?
0: <laughs> no, like older generations in our family. Our parents, our grandparents, the generations that came and had to adapt. As you know, my grandma, my mom's mom recently passed.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was really sorry to hear about that. How, how old was she? All right, brace yourself. you ready for this? She yeah. was
0: a hundred and two years old. Wow. <laughs> and she had she had nine kids. She definitely lived a very full life and she was all about her family and they all came over together. So she she lived in Hong Kong with her nine kids.
2: When did she come over?
0: She came over in the 70s. I actually never met my mom's dad because he passed away before I was even born. Okay. Same. Yeah. They all came over in the 70s. I don't think all the kids came over at the same time though because by that time, my mom who's on the younger end of that spectrum mm-hmm. of the nine. <laughs> she was already in college. So that means like all her siblings were probably in their uh-huh. 20s and 30s.
2: Why'd why they come over? So if you've got all the kids, yeah. uh, everyone's doing well, why I, come over?
0: I think, so Hong Kong's an interesting, it's an interesting territory because they, at the time were still owned by Britain. Yeah. And they knew that they had a deadline of, I think it was 1997 when China mm-hmm. was going to mm-hmm. take over. Mm-hmm. Right. So- yeah. I think there was always a thought of things were fine there. But I think after my grandfather, he was really sick. He had liver cancer. And I believe he mm-hmm. passed somewhere around there. So I don't know if he passed before my grandmother came over or after. But there was that life change of like my grandfather was at the last days of his life. And so she, I but believe- But she just came
2: over by herself? She was, no, like, no, no, no. I
0: think the a, couple of the, a couple of my aunts and uncles were already in the US. Got it. Got so it, got it. being that she- her husband was already passing. I think they were just like, hey, mom, come on over, right? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. majority of the kids are already in New York, so Got let's it. have you come. And they sponsored her visa.
2: That's funny. That's that's how my mom's parents came over. Similar story.
0: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And so I think it was a little bit of that, but I think it was also a bigger picture was everybody was just wanted to get out of Hong Kong before
2: China came. Yeah, and... but that's like 25, 27 years. That's true. <laughs> but that's but true. yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> I know a lot of people more recently who have, you know, gotten out of Hong Kong and gone to Singapore or come back to the states or the UK or Canada because it's interesting. My my father in law was actually born in mainland China, but he snuck into Hong Kong as a little kid because. You could do that. They didn't check little kids' papers. Mm -hmm. I I think a lot, every time I complain about some problem that I have, it's like, we have it so easy compared to the earlier generations. Especially, it's not just like young people are spoiled, old people had it harder. It's the immigrant story, like the leaving everything behind to go somewhere across the world in an internetless world, where making a phone call wasn't easy. You need to, when you get here, write this phone number down and call this person.
0: Yeah, totally like a lot of just a lot of faith and a lot of probably a lot of opportunities to, to build those communities because coming to a brand new place, you obviously want to find connections and support.
2: Were you close with your grandma?
0: We were, I wasn't super close to my mom's mom mainly because I was one of like 30 grandkids and
2: And she was, and your mom was the youngest, right?
0: And my mom was not the youngest, but like she's like Mm -hmm. second to third youngest Mm -hmm. in, in the line. Um, I was, but I saw her. I saw her often. She lived in Chinatown. We we always we always saw her and visited her. I was really really close to my dad's parents, who also have
2: passed. So, what was their story? Where, where did they come over?
0: They have a really interesting story. My grandfather on my dad's side came over when he was fifteen, and mm-hmm. he came over on fake papers. So his whole I think I mentioned this before, but his whole life he lived till he was in his nineties, so eighty years ish in the U.S he was still afraid to probably his last day that he would be found out that he had illegally immigrated into the United States. Like pretty, pretty fascinating. So he came over when he was 15. He came through Seattle, which we didn't hmm. know until after he passed away. And we saw like his actual papers that he had gotten from like the dock in Seattle. And he probably, and here's what I regret. I regret not asking these questions, right? Because I don't have... All the details around exactly what it was like when 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 they came over, but I'm assuming he was probably he was probably he probably made his way through California. He was probably um, doing some work there, and then he ended up he joined the military for a little while, and then ended up in New York eventually. So was there for a couple of years around the age of nineteen or twenty. Decided it was time for him to get married, and there were no women in the U.S. at the time. <laughs>
2: Because well, no, there were no Chinese women, right? There were, right. sorry, sorry. No eligible, no eligible, no eligible Chinese women, right?
0: Yeah, no eligible wives because of the Chinese Exclusion Act. So he then, and again, I w- I really wish I had um, asked him these questions, but he somehow got himself a, a, a ticket on a boat and went back to China. So this is before planes <laughs> too, right? So he's, he's now on his way to China. To meet with a matchmaker to be connected with a potential wife. Yeah. And yeah. through the matchmaker, he met my grandmother. And oh, so on so dad's side. On my, yeah, on my dad's side, right? And they got married in China. And my grandmother still couldn't come back, couldn't come with him to the States because yeah, of the Exclusion yeah. Act. Yeah. So he then got back on. Were there planes back then? I'm gonna ask a really dumb question. There were. Well, but it
2: was harder. Like I remember my dad, and this is in the late 60s, -hmm. to leave India to go to Canada. He had to connect like five different places. Right. It wasn't. It wasn't the quick one way. Right. right. There wasn't a round trip ticket. It was like a day in Japan and then a day in Turkey or a day in whatever. Like there was. It was a much harder flight. Interesting. Okay, I asked. There were boats and planes were both predominant, but. So, it, your dad could have come on, or your granddad still could have been on a boat for. yeah,
0: I think it probably was a boat. So he so then he came back to the u s. He mm. worked he worked out of New York in Chinatown, like he was a Chinatown mm. guy basically his whole life in in uh, the u s. And so both twi- sets
2: of grandparents were in Chinatown Ultimately, they
0: were yeah. yeah. But then for twenty years, he and my grandmother wrote to each other because they weren't together. There was no internet. There was no way to make a long distance phone call. So for 20 years, they sustained a marriage based on letters back and forth.
2: Wait, where and did the, when did the babies get made?
0: So, yeah. So no babies yet. No babies years. yet. Yeah. So this is, they get married in China. He gets back, he, he comes back to the States He's sending money back to my grandma, he's supporting her from afar. He's writing her letters and get this, my grandmother was not an educated woman, so she couldn't even read or write these letters herself. So she was like someone in town or someone in the village was like reading these to her and then she would she, she was dictating. Wow. So back and forth 20 years long distance relationship, no FaceTime, nothing. Yeah. The Exclusion Act lifts, they allow Chinese women to come into the country. (laughs) My grandfather sponsors her visa. She comes through on a boat through Ellis Island. So I got that story from her when I was like, I think first or second grade, I remember um, interviewing her for my project because it was all about Ellis Island. And she told me about her journey. So she was on a boat for like three months coming into a new country to meet her husband of 20 years that she hadn't seen. Like, can you imagine that? Like just, that's crazy, right? So at this point, they're probably like in their late 30s, almost hitting 40. They're finally together in the same place for the first time. Mm -hmm. And that's when the babies came. So that's when (laughs) (laughs) you have to be in the same room to make a baby, at least back then. And uh, so that's when they had my aunt and my dad and then my uncle. So they had three kids together here in the US.
2: And so you had a closer relationship with your dad's side then?
0: I I did mainly because, like, we were, it was a smaller, it was a smaller, less uncles
2: and aunts. Yeah. Less
0: uncles and aunts. And we would, I went to elementary school literally downstairs from where my grandparents lived. So I saw them super often. And we would go out, Uh like, we would go to their place for dinner at least once a week. So that was, yeah, we were much closer to them growing up than on my mom's side.
2: Hmm. Wow.
0: But still close because, like, literally within the same one mile radius of each other.
2: It's it's funny as you're telling the story there's like so many similar themes on both sides of my family cuz I'm closer with my mom's side than my dad's side it's a smaller family mm-hmm. the nature of how they came over was different so like on my dad's side my dad I actually don't know my dad's father because he passed away when my dad was in his late teens early 20s and that was actually the reason my dad left like he had all these opportunities in India but he had this really great opportunity in Canada and his mom, my grandma, pushed him to to take that opportunity. My dad actually didn't want to because he mm. didn't want to be far away from family. Right. And if anything, that my dad is known as the one who left. And that's caused a little bit of schism, like subconscious, I think, in the family. Right. We didn't go back as often. And I've only been as a kid for a family reason. I've only been back to India once as a kid. And then I went back in my 20s with my dad. But But it was always like this more distant relationship, and my dad never opened up and shared as much. And now he does when I ask him questions. Literally, I did an interview project, a precursor to this podcast, where I had to ask him a lot of questions. And my sister and I were always learning things from each other about stories that just slip out from my dad. But on the other hand, my mom's family had just like this harrowing journey. Like my grandpa, born in India. This is my mom's mom. Went to Africa for a job because great opportunity. Like after England, uh, India opened up post independence after the war, and he wrote back because mm-hmm. that's what you do when you are in your twenties. Right. And went back to India and met a nice woman, yeah. my grandma, and brought her back. On I think he might have gone back to Africa to get stuff set up. Yeah. And then went back and brought her back on a boat from India to Africa. And my mom was born there. This is in Uganda, but then it got bad and they were refugees. But my grandparents sent their kids. To England before they left the country. Well, and so wow. my mom and her siblings lived on their own in an apartment. How old were they? The eldest would have been in her twenties by no 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 late teens, late teens, because my mom was an adolescent when she left Africa. And they first they lived with relatives, but eventually they wanted to get out and the four of them wanted to be on their own. So two right. worked and two went to school. But and then eventually time for the kids to get married, whatever. Mm-hmm. And this guy, my dad writes back to his family in India, and my mom and her parents, I think still in Africa at the time, wrote back to their family in India. like, we need to set up our kids. Right. And my parents met in India and then came over. But over time, so my grandparents, they lived out most of their life in England, even after all their kids left for the States. Yeah. But then as they got older, my uncle, their son, my mom's younger brother brought them over. And then they spent out their remaining years in the state. So as a kid, we'd go to England all the time because it's an easier flight. Right. We were closer with the family. And then they would always come over for Christmases and we'd get the family together with my family in California, my family in DC. But like my grandparents were like this mainstay in my life and I got to know them. But it's weird. Like how close, I don't know if, is that a thing? Like, I guess, I wonder if like other people who aren't as steeped like with immigrants and long flights back to the motherland, like, I don't know, I'm, by a function of proximity, I guess I was closer to the ones that were already here. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Same with my wife's family, the family back back in China versus the family in Canada. You know. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think it's I think it's partially definitely location because because we didn't have like. We didn't have video calls back then, right? So it's like even... even a- Do you
2: remember the phone calls with your... Because gra- I, I, I've tried to watch this with my kids. Like <laughs> mom and dad would be talking to their parents so, and yeah. I'd be a little kid wanting to watch TV or play with my action figures. And I'd be like, yeah. come talk to grandma and grandpa. And I think we on one of our, our podcast episodes, we had someone and you'd say the same things. to, your, Hi, grandpa, I'm doing well. Yeah, Yes, it's very hot here. Yeah, What's the weather like there? And you yeah. say the same five They're things. Same thing. And it probably gave them so much joy. And I didn't give a shit about the conversation,
0: I know it's so funny. We used to it's call we used to call my so again, my dad's parents every night. we'd call them every night before bed, and the conversation would be, "Hi, grandma, did you have dinner yet? This is all in Chinese, right? Did you have dinner yet? Yeah. And they'd be like, "Yes, we did have dinner." and they're like, they they'd say, "Well, have you had dinner yet?" And we'd say. <laughs> Yes, we have, and then and then I think it was just like the same stuff. Like, how was school? It was good. Okay, good night. And that, like every every day, and I think for I think you are right. Those two minutes that they probably heard the little voices were like the highlight of their day, and we were just like, oh, we have to do this again.
2: Okay, like <laughs> the same way you'd brush your teeth, like just a routine. Yeah. So funny. Do you? I think the facetiming. And video chatting has gone up in the pandemic, right? Yeah. Because now we don't see our parents as often. But I, do you see that same thing playing out with your kids when they talk to their grandparents, your parents?
0: Yeah. they. So my kids, I may have mentioned this already, but my kids are really big on selling stuff to their grandparents. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so yes so either we're calling grandma and grandpa because we need some money for something and they're like mom can i call papa and gung gung which are my parents and i'm like oh here we go so like i'll hand them the phone and they're like papa look i drew you this thing and usually my mom's like that's nice now write me a story because she's tiger mom (laughs) (laughs) she's like that's a nice drawing but do more. And then my dad's a total softie for my kids. So whatever, like whatever they're going to charge him, like he'll, will just pay and, and I'll end up, he'll end up Venmoing me the money later. So, so yes, there's usually a transaction involved in our phone calls, but I do find that when I call my parents, cause I'm just talking to them and then I'm like, Hey, so-and-so get on the phone. I see the same like, oh, okay. Like there's always like a little, unless they need money, there's always like a little bit of dragging their feet. And then they do go through the same routine of like, how's school? It's good. Like, who are your friends today? Like just same Mm -hmm. script of like the same five questions. It's
2: pretty funny. Do you see something similar playing out? Because there's definitely a different vibe between how... My kids interact with my parents versus with my wife's parents. So mm-hmm. the Indian—I fa- don't know if it's a function of the personalities of my family versus my wife's family, or there's some stereotypes in how South Asians versus East Asians behave. But the dynamic is louder on one side <laughs> versus the other. Is louder, there a dynamic? Louder
0: on the Indian side.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Of course. Wait, wait. Of course. So explain this to me because I don't. Yeah. I just don't know. Like, how? how, What's the dynamic like when when you're? I guess it's really just your daughter now because your son doesn't talk yet. But
2: but even even my son, like he, it's you pass the phone around. It's just a louder. I think this is. This will probably get me in trouble, but (laughs) I think there's some accuracy to this stereotype. I'm not to say that that can't exist in East Asian culture. My personal observation: traveling in these countries, Mm -hmm. having friends of these persuasions, and family on both sides now, right? And yeah. A podcast co-host even, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I see that play out with even the grandparent interactions, the way they talk to the kids and they try to interact with them over video or even in person versus, I don't know. There's a, definitely like, a common give me, grandparent Give me a story.
0: Theme. Give me a story. Like, what's what's happening? Is it like your mom, are your mom and dad like breaking out at the song and dance? Are they
2: like... Well, they're they're trying to extract that out of the kids, especially, oh. especially with the younger one, right? Yeah. So versus it's just with my wife's family, the, the Chinese American side or the Chinese side, right? It's just a nurturing. Mm-hmm. And, and n- neither neither is wrong, neither is right. It's just right. one is louder. <laughs> and to the point where sometimes <laughs> my wife is like going ru- to riling up the kids. Oh! <laughs> That's funny.
0: Yeah, I think for what I'm seeing is... My in-laws, I'm trying to think, like it is similar. So So my in-laws are Caribbean, Caribbean, yep. One's from, my father-in-law's from Haiti and my mother-in-law's from Trinidad. So Caribbean Mm -hmm. and from two different islands. Mother-in-law is, she's a former like nurse. So she's Mm -hmm. very, her questions are more about health and well-being a lot. So it's Hmm. like, she'll, yeah, it's interesting. So if like one of them's sick, like she'll have a ton of advice and like- and that's mainly pointed towards me, right? But it's like she'll have like all these remedies to do things like that or my father-in-law is he's like a funny guy, so he's always he'll be telling jokes to them, he'll be making them tell jokes or he'll mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. like my my sons will say something and he'll he'll laugh like super loud. Like so it is it is more it's a different energy for sure. Mm-hmm between the two cultures, I just never really thought of it that way. I like never thought like maybe my parents, but then it's, it is weird because of what we set up with the dynamic. So it it does always just seem like my parents are being
2: sold to when
0: my my kids get on
2: the phone. I'm not even going to (laughs) touch the stereotypes (laughs) that play there, but. So
0: so that's also part of the stereotype, right? It's like, wow, we've built this thing where the Chinese grandparents are in a position to keep giving money to my children.
2: Something else I've been thinking a lot about is how, like, obviously now that we're parents and Mm -hmm. a lot of our listeners are in this life stage with this, is I start to see how our kids are like our parents saw us. Like before, our parents were these Mm. kind of like, I don't know, these figures that were almost like superhuman, right? Right. And now I recognize my parents as people. They're still my parents, and there's so much respect to them. But I find myself relating to what they must have been going through.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I also find myself looking at my parents like different people now that they're grandparents as well, right? So yeah. like I have very fond memories of grandparents on both sides, just all like they were always super nurturing and they were mm-hmm. always so generous. And we were, we really Cause were Because they, like, they don't
2: have the hard job. When you're a grandparent, you don't have the hard job anymore. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. But they were also like, there'd be times when like my dad might raise his voice. And then I remember my grandma being like, leave her alone. Like literally, like they'd like step in and put their own kids in line in like by, to protect their grandkids. And wow. I, and, and so like, I- definitely saw that like, or they would always have food ready for us. Like they'd cook our favorite meals when we came over. Right. Like very, Mm -hmm. like all the great stuff that we love about our grandparents. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I had kids that I saw my parents become grandparents because my parents do that same stuff now. Like
2: if my, my my brother-in-law calls my dad like 2.0 because the man that became his father-in-law, he was a little scared of, right. (laughs) I was scared of my dad. Right. But (laughs) But once the kids are here, what's like my dad is like a different person. This is told my daughter, Yeah, that's not the guy that raised me. (laughs)
0: Totally, like total putty. And it's it's funny because my uncle, so my dad's brother, who's known him his whole life, when my uncle first saw my dad with my older son, he literally turned to me. He was like, Who is this guy? I'm like, he's grandpa now. And he was like, like, like it was just this moment of, whoa, someone who just never had the side of them before. And what I by that is like, like my dad's always been, he's, he, he's a great dad, but he's always like, he was dad. So he was the guy in charge and he was like mm-hmm. the strict one. And he'd be the, like, moms are always like, wait till your dad comes home. So like in my head, he was always that guy. And I don't think my dad ever changed a diaper or fed us a bottle when we were babies whatsoever. It was a very like traditional male, female, like stereotype Split, roles. Right. Then I had kids. And my dad, my dad was the one bringing them to music classes and Mm -hmm. art Mm -hmm. classes. And he'd come over and just like help out, like change diapers and offer to give them baths. And I'd be like, I don't even know if you're qualified to do this, dad, because this is like the first time you've ever tried Mm -hmm. to do this. And it is completely, it's like a completely, it's different season, different person.
2: Yeah, it's something to look forward to, maybe. I don't know. It's like, because uh, it's hard. Like, it's genuinely hard. Anyone who says it's not is lying or has a lot of money. <laughs> like, and I I can just, like, empathize so hard with what our parents, again, we have the internet, we have these right. phones, and we have all these services, and I can punch a button on my phone and diapers arrive in 24 hours. Right, like, right we have more disposable income in theory. You want every generation to do better, but like the amount of takeout and we don't do crazy takeout anymore, but like if we're not feeling up to it, screw it, we'll just order Thai food. You know, Of course. Yeah. Um, and versus as a kid, we didn't do that. So it's just like, we have it easier, but it's still really hard. It and, is hard. Uh, Yeah.
0: It's hard. And I think it's hard too, when you don't live near your, your parents, yeah. if you have kids, like, and as you say that, like, I'm, recognizing when I was in second grade, I had chicken pox and my sister, my younger sister hadn't, I don't have an older sister, but anyway, my sister's younger than me and she hadn't had chicken pox yet. And I think, I think maybe my parents didn't either or something like that, but anyway, so they sent me to my grandma's house to stay with grandma so that I wouldn't, I wouldn't affect the rest of the family with my chicken pox. And oh. and for me, it was great, right? Because staying with grandma for a week is amazing. And I didn't have to go to school because I had the chicken pox. And I just hung out with grandma and all her friends and her mahjong friends came over. And it was it was like a whole treat. It felt like a vacation Wait, for what, me. What
2: was, what was that like? The, oh. the, the mahjong?
0: Yeah. Like she had, so it takes four people to play mahjong. So she would have a little crew. I don't know if they like did this regularly, but mahjong was always kind of a big part of like social events at my grandma's house. So she'd have like three or four girlfriends come over. Smoking was very in vogue at the time in the 80s. And (laughs) they'd be like lighting up their cigarettes. So like the apartment would smell like smoke. And my grandma didn't smoke, but her friends did. And they would just like chat about stuff. So they'd probably be gossiping about Were you playing with them or were you off
2: in the other room playing or what was going on?
0: Sometimes I would just sit next to grandma and like she would let me she'd let me pick the tiles for her. Like when it was her turn, like I'd get to oh. like move and take a move. I, I would try to play for her sometimes. And I get my wrist slapped literally for that. <laughs> like, don't touch my tiles. <laughs> but like just sitting there, I was learning so much about the game or just, just enjoyed their, their like old lady talk. Like they'd be complaining about daughter-in-laws or gossiping about friends or-
2: Do you play like Mahjong
0: now? I haven't in a while. I know how to play because I- Do you have a crew? I mean,
2: you've got three other people in your house.
0: I don't. Yeah, I should buy a set. We don't even have like tiles um, here, but I should I should give
2: you mine. I bought, so when I was in China, my first trip to China, I bought a Mahjong set because I remember my wife had said something similar story, right? Yeah. And so I bought a set and it just sits there and does nothing. And (laughs) I took it out for my daughter and she's like, what are these? I don't know. I was like, I don't know how to play. Your mom knows how.
0: (laughs) you're right. I should, I should totally, I should bias that and I should teach my kids how to play.
2: Yeah. I think that'd be, that'd be a fun Tony, Tony Tony household. And then, and
0: then when we go back and visit my parents again in New York, they can hustle them out of some money.
2: (laughs) Always comes back to that with you. Jeez. Have you noticed we talk about looking at our parents differently? Yeah. As our kids' personality starts to develop, it's funny. I mean, I see, like with my daughter, we see my mom. Like I, really? I am, I am my mom's son. It's so obvious. And yeah. I, I recognize it more and more now yeah. as like a talkative, crazy adult. And that's a diss on me, a compliment to my mom. <laughs> but and my mom is her mom's daughter, right? And my mm-hmm. daughter is, she's my daughter. Like she is a clone of me. It's so funny. And but I see my mom's personality through her. I see a little bit of my wife's dad and her too. But like, it's it's interesting to see. I don't know if these are just like general personality traits, or if there's like some literal genetic encoding that's being passed on.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I do see some I, I am picking up on like, different grandparents, like different aspect of different grandparents. And I'm also noticing that like, it's the grandparents that the, the child is closer to that they tend mm-hmm. to resemble the most, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. my little one is closer to my dad, I would say. And he's also close to Serge's dad. And so he he has, it's just like, especially like he he's, he's more of a jokester. He loves um, playing pranks on people. Like mm-hmm. sense of humor is a big part of who he is. Mm-hmm. Whereas my mm-hmm. older one, very focused like very deliberate and he and my mom are are definitely closer as well and and that like that's very that is very my mom with how he mm. approaches things but like what are things that like do you feel as if because we've lost that layer of the generation that connects us and has a stronger connection I would say to the, mother to the motherland land. yeah do you feel like someone that's getting diluted now, especially because you and I are yeah. both in biracial relationships. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, as a kid, and, and again, on both sides, my mom's side and my dad's side, we were pretty unusual for Indian Americans. Like we were mm-hmm. part of the community, but my mom didn't wear Indian clothes to temple. Right. Right. My dad came over at a younger age than a lot of the other Indian men did and right. was more disconnected from India. We, You meet Indian kids that went back every summer As a kid, I went back once and I had to pull my dad to go back to India in my 20s right after I finished B school. So we were always more disconnected to just Mm -hmm. lay that as the groundwork. But still in the scope of still living in the house and mom and dad cooking Indian food five out of seven nights a week and playing bhajans and Bollywood tunes in the house and the Indian dinner party, all their friends were Indian people. Even though we were removed from the culture there was just so much saturation of the culture, yeah. so you just by osmosis you just kick it up, right? So right. I literally all the things I know about Indian culture come from all of that stuff, and even my inherent curiosity to want to know more comes from that. Yep. Even though like I didn't hang out with other Indian people, like I didn't date Indian girls that often, all those sort of things. Yep. Contrast that, and and my wife's story is similar, probably even more removed. Like she was really connected with her chinese the chinese community in canada but they didn't hang out with other chinese american people in the states where they lived right Mm -hmm. but they ate a lot of chinese food at home and stuff like that but and she didn't go back as often and now fast forward to today we do cook indian food we do cook chinese food yeah but we don't go to indian or chinese dinner parties we don't have we sometimes we do seek out indian friends and chinese friends and like people not who are like us but like mm-hmm. we had these friends in the town we used to live in, where the husband was Indian from India and the wife was Hungarian from Hungary. So right. he was significantly more Indian than me. Yeah. And so I would hang out with him and I got along with him because I wanted to understand more, right, about yeah. that. But I just think because there's less saturation of the Indian stuff, I think a lot is low. when are we going to take the kids back to India right. or China? I don't know. the The connections are loosely there with cousins, but mm-hmm. so much of the family has passed away. Right. So I don't. Yeah, I guess to answer your question, yeah, I think the connection is really, it's weakening. But again, that's part of the American story, right? We're three generations in, and my kids aren't fully Indian. Your mm-hmm. kids aren't fully Chinese. Right. So I think some of the heritage is lost. But I don't know if that's a bad thing. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, how, I know. What's going on? I feel guilty about
0: it sometimes. I think, like when I think about how I grew up, I had to speak Chinese to all of my grandparents because I didn't mm. speak English. So mm. that alone mm. was a situation where the, the, the culture and the heritage and the language in that case was definitely passed down because it was mm. a necessity, right? If I were to have these, like when I called to ask them if they had dinner, that had to be in Chinese because there's mm. just no other way to communicate with them. And then when I think about how my own kids are interacting with my parents now, it is it's very Americanized and that's because my parents are Americanized. So Mm -hmm. my parents don't mind it. Like, I don't think my parents feel any type of way about it, but I think I feel as if they're like, I feel like I need to do a little bit more because there isn't a situation that forces us to. So to your point, it's like, like when I was growing up, we were in Chinatown and my parents, most of my parents' social circle was also Chinese, and most of mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. most of my circle, social circle was also Chinese because of the your neighborhoods friend, your, that we lived the kids, in. Yeah. Right. So to your point, it's like it just by osmosis, it was just very understood. Like Chinese New Year was something that we all celebrated, and everybody knew what those traditions were because as a community, we were engaging with those. Now we live in some suburb of LA, where
2: and we have to do a podcast where we talk about Chinese New Year's or Diwali. <laughs> Exactly. To guilt ourselves into yeah. talking about it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And like any Chinese cultural interactions are just anything
2: that I personally bring into our family circle. Do your kids do Chinese school? They don't. Uh-uh. No. See, that's it. So that's the thing. The schools exist for like all the ethnic communities. Right. But I feel like you can literally pop into any town and there's like a Chinese school. Like, yeah. There's not a Hindi school. Like, And right. so it's like... We looked into a Chinese school right before the pandemic, and then everything locked down, so yep. we're not doing it. But we're, but we're even questioning if we should do it. Like, I, I like got into if an it's argument
0: necessary with... or not. You mean?
2: No, I, I got to an argument with my brother-in-law about this uh, several months ago. So my brother-in-law is Chinese; is my yeah. wife's elder brother, and he's married to a Chinese Canadian woman. And, uh, and they have a son, and they, they're they going to probably invest in Chinese school. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, we don't know if we should or not, because our kids only have Chinese. And maybe the better language for our kid to learn would be Spanish, because yeah. that's more practical. Right. My daughter's a special color of brown, right? And also, like, m- my wife's family speaks Cantonese. So yeah. yes, you, whereas Chinese school's in Mandarin. So is it like you're not getting the family heritage play? Right. But at the same time, to your point, language does connect you to the culture.
0: Yeah.
2: <sighs> I don't... I don't know. Um well, what
0: we're trying to do and again this is like wish list, bucket list stuff is I would like to improve my own Chinese skills so that I can have my kids be exposed to it, but from my husband's side, he he knows a little bit of French. Mike so same thing, my father-in-law's fluent in French, because he mm-hmm. grew up in Haiti, right? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. like, he's completely fluent in both languages. And my husband grew up around it, but he never really had to speak it. And so same thing, we were thinking, like, maybe we need to expand our languages to be Chinese, French, and English in our household. But that's going to take years. But of, how do you do that? that? Because
2: like, your husband doesn't speak Chinese, Right, right. And right. like, my wife doesn't speak Hindi. And so at least with our parents... Like what little Hindi and Punjabi I understand is through the osmosis of hearing mom and dad talking or arguing right with right. each other, or yeah. they both get on to me in the same language. Right, like I know that "chup" means "shut up." <laughs> <laughs> I know that one really well for some reason.
0: It's funny. Yeah, I don't know. The other thing is, we could just move to one of these countries and then maybe force ourselves in a situation where.
2: But that, but I, that, that that's happened. not. It's clearly it's not. We're mid career. That's yeah. not happening. I know. It I, isn't. know. I know. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is. And the grandparents, the pandemic, we're, we're both far away from our families. Like our kids aren't seeing them as much. It's, it's not these like long interactions that are week or month long, like they used to be right when my grandparents would come stay with us, or we'd go to England right. for the summer. It's there's these kind of like short transactions on FaceTime. Yeah. And every once or twice a year, like a two to three day long weekend visit. Right. So the opportunity to really expose the culture from the grandparents isn't even there. Yeah. It's sad. I think about that a lot. I think about that a lot more. Like my wife and I went for a walk somewhere a year ago when I think we're all starting to get vaccinated. And we're like, where do we want to go first? And at first we we opened the conversation, like, let's go on a trip somewhere. But we're both like, oh, I think we want to go home. Yeah. And that hasn't happened because now we have a kid who's a second baby who's not vaccinated. So it's just like all of these... I don't think there's an easy answer. And I think the world's gotten harder. Like I don't have, we won't be going to China or India anytime soon. Right. You know.
0: But do you think maybe in the future, like in the next 10 years or so, would you guys ever host your parents to be living with you? Meaning like as they get older, would would you have? that?
2: that, That's a very, that's a very, I don't know, that's, that's definitely, I'm not saying it's not an American thing, but that's a very Asian thing, right? Yes. Yeah. That is something, it is something we have talked about on both sides, on my wife's side and my side of like, where are the parents going to go? Now, the parents are all independent. They don't want to. Right. Of course. Of course. (laughs) But they had that expectation with their parents. Like that's, uh. I, to be determined which sibling's going to get them. We yeah. live in a house that has a lot of stairs, so we're not in a friendly right. place. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. We, I, are you guys having that conversation?
0: We're thinking about it. Yeah, like my my in-laws are older, and we we've talked about it. So they're maybe like, and and they're it's funny because they're not really there at a point. They don't need the help yet, mm-hmm. but we are entertaining. Doing that, and and we're either. But thinking, it's also the part we... where you could
2: bring the culture in. That's why you do it. At exactly, this
0: age. and that's why I'm asking because I feel like maybe you and I are just in a life stage right now where it does feel a little bit like we're in limbo. But maybe in the next ten to fifteen years, we are going to have three generations literally under the same roof, right? And at that point, culture, stories, language, all of those things will be tied but, together but, a little bit but, tighter. But the
2: downside to that, first man entering that it's called the sandwich generation that's hard because 10 15 years from now one we're going to be older our kids will also Uh, be older and yeah so all three all three generations the the grandparent generation is going to be not as i hate to say it able to engage as much right they're going to need more care we are going to our health stuff is going to start in probably 10 years i refuse to believe that yeah sure (laughs) You're in better shape than but I you're, am.
0: But you're, yes, you are correct. Yes. And then we,
2: our kids are going to be teenagers and they're not going to want anything to do with us or the grandparents. I know. I know. And it's, but at the same time now is we're in this moment where we want not to be selfish, but like my family, we're a unit. My family, we yeah. kind of got a good thing going. You got this yeah. thing barely under control Right, and to right. add more variables. I don't think yeah, we can handle more variables.
0: Yeah. But you also have a newborn-ish, right? So I think that's a little different. Like- but maybe the solution, I'm glad we're talking about this, because maybe the solution is we move them in sooner while they can enjoy.
2: I don't the have a big enough house, man. And I'm not making enough money to have the house.
0: <laughs> we do have a guest room. I'm glad we talked. Maybe this is something or at least they can come stay with us for like a month or something. Because both of them are retired. There's no reason for them to stay in like a cold city at this moment. Which
2: is funny, my mom, we've we've made that offer. Yeah. And the older you get, your habits burn in, right? And so, if you have that your routine, your yeah. your your parents yeah. would rather have you send the kids to be with them for a while, Definitely. or you guys come stay. But you and your husband have work, you have responsibility, your kids have yep. school, yep. And but they don't like my parents don't want to be taken out of their comfort zone for t- yeah. too long. Same,
0: same. Yeah, I my mom is probably never going to move anywhere. And then you're right. When I think about my in-laws, they, they're very involved in their local church community. It's, it'll, it might be hard for them to transfer from one place to another. But it's, it's an a- idea. It's an idea. It's a way to force the... I think it's an, an interesting challenge. And I'm going to put myself up to that challenge because it is a way to unite all three generations. And it, it could be a nice way to ensure that the culture, the heritage gets passed down in a, in a, in a stronger way. Now, whether that, or not my husband wants,
2: yeah, you just want your grandparents to do all the cooking. I want some of that like.
0: amazing Trini roti that my my
2: mother-in-law <laughs> makes. <laughs> but it's to your point, the osmosis—like you'd be in the even if she's making it just by osmosis—you'd be in the kitchen often enough to pick exactly. some of it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that's funny. Thing. So yeah. my dad's an architect, right? Yeah, and he designed the house I grew up in in Alabama, and he designed the, the where the kitchen sits. To be able to shut off from the rest of the house so you don't smell up the whole house like Indian food.
0: Interesting.
2: Because it literally, you can shut all the doors and yeah. the way the windows face, like you can run air through the room. So you can mm-hmm. open up all the windows while you're cooking. And when you're done having dinner, you can open the kitchen doors back up and you flush the air out of right. the room. Right, right. And in the modern era, most of the houses we live in are open floor plan. There's no doors yeah. to the kitchen. You yeah. cook Indian food in our house. The house is going to smell for a week. Same thing, <laughs> we fry up Chinese food. And yeah. I think our modern existence is not as friendly, I would say, to the ethnic foods. No, it's very true. I know whenever I make
0: Chinese food or even like I've made I've made your mom's amazing curry too, by the way. So good. Mm. So good. But you're right, every room, every room just smells like that for a week, which is nice. Like you walk into a room. And you're like, fir- oh yeah, first, I remember that. The first, day, the that first
2: dish. day is nice. The first day is nice. <laughs> the second and the third day not so much.
0: Oh, so funny. Are we ready for speed round? Perhaps?
2: I sure I, I don't know how how are you gonna ask speed round questions about heritage topics sure
0: <laughs> well I've got some in mind so we can we can dive in what is something about your
2: family that you never expected hmm that my parents don't like ethnic food what All right so get this so as kids <laughs> and I I would venture to say that most of us like kids of immigrants yeah. This is a truth. So, growing up, right, you eat the the ethnic food of your motherland, right? So, Indian food every night for me, Chinese food every night for you, and then pizza on the weekends, right? right. So, so all we ate was Indian food and a little bit of American food. And over time, my parents would learn to cook a few American dishes. Then we grow up and we all go off to college, and we like weird. We like the weird ethnic food that we had to grow up eating. So, of course, yeah, I'll try Thai food. Yeah, I'll try Czech food. Yeah, I'll try. Right. And fast. I come home from college or maybe working. And I discovered that my mom doesn't like any foods that are not Indian huh. or American. Like she literally came to visit my then girlfriend, now wife and I, when we were living in Asia. And I took her to like a hawker stand mm-hmm. and she just wanted French fries and rice because <laughs> the food was too weird. I'm like, mom, I grew up eating weird food because of you. She's like, no, that was Indian food. That's, that's, that's normal funny. food for me. <laughs> what about you? What, what's something about your family uh, that you never expected?
0: Oh, so good. I'm on food. So I remember this happening. My grandfather, my dad's dad, my grandfather, right before he passed, so he was in his later years, he was just one day talking to me about a bunch of stuff. And he mentioned that he had never had Japanese food. And
2: yeah, because Chinese people don't like Japanese people. Chinese people don't like Japanese people. Yeah. And, and to be and clear, I, for our audience, there's a big historical thing about the J- Japan's invasion of China, of but China, it's like this right. deep-seated, yeah, thing.
0: Like an anti-Japanese sentiment that he had carried over with him all these years. And, and I think he was just, he was like reflecting on his life and the things he had done and he hadn't done. And that was one thing I found that to be very surprising because, as I mentioned, he was in New York City for 80 years. Mm-hmm. So you would think that someone who was in a town or mm-hmm. a city- that has so many options would have been exposed to those options and actually done anything about it. And then in that same conversation, he had also mentioned that he really hadn't ventured outside of Chinatown very much in his lifetime. And when I reflect on that, that was probably really true because he lived in Chinatown, he worked in Chinatown, everything he entire- need is there. Yeah, his yep. entire social circle was there, and for those of you listening who have been to Chinatown in New York City, you can totally understand that it's like its own little planet, almost, right? So, mm-hmm. I was just really that—that that took me by a huge surprise because at that point of my life, I had, I had spent a summer abroad in Paris and in London, mm-hmm. and I had mm-hmm. lived in different places, and in my young life, I had experienced so much more than he had from that angle. And I found that to be really both inspiring, but also in some ways heartbreaking.
2: I I wonder, I used to think that the, and I do think this is actually true. The reason we wanted to experience all those different cultures is because you and I grew up between two cultures. Mm -hmm. So it just seems like a natural extension of want to go experience other cultures too. Right. Versus the people who put us in that dichotomy, our parents who are also caught between two cultures. They just wanted familiarity, the familiarity of the motherland and the familiarity of, and get familiar with the new thing. Yeah. They don't have room or bandwidth for more new stuff. Right. Right. Versus we were brought into it as kids almost. Yeah. It, it's funny you mentioned that about Chinatown because my wife's family um, is all in a suburb of Toronto mm-hmm. that... Is very Chinese. And it's this is like suburbs. It reminds me of like the upper middle suburb suburbs in Alabama with the shopping centers and everything. So whereas Chinatown is like its own little dense urban planet, the Chinatown in like suburban Canada is like all that you could you could literally drive to all the stores and restaurants and everyone's Chinese.
0: Yeah. Like it's, even the signs are all in Chinese. Like yeah, literally. It feels it's like in a crazy. different country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's this little enclave. What is a book, movie, or television show that reminds you of your family?
2: I've I've actually brought this up a few times, and it's not Never Have I Ever. It's the namesake, this book by Jhumpa mm-hmm. Lahiri. Yep. So I, I read the book when I was a teenager, and it's about this little South Asian boy growing up into adulthood. And I was like, "That's my life. That's me." And then I saw the film. And the kid, as a teenager to adulthood, is portrayed by Cal Penn, who he's fine, but didn't really do anything for me in the movie. But the dad is played by this, the late actor Irfan Khan, who's just electric to watch. So I saw the whole movie from the dad's perspective and everything mm. he had to leave behind. Yeah. And his son, who he put everything into being a total tool to him, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I literally, I, call, I finished watching that movie and seeing it from the dad's perspective. I called my dad to apologize. I, I genuinely think that was a moment where I decided to try to relate to my dad more. So yeah, The Namesake. I'd I'd highly recommend it if you want to understand what it was like me growing up, but also (laughs) what it must have been like for our parents.
0: What about you? uh... I love that book. I love that book. Mine would probably be Joy Luck Club, mainly because that was the first book I had ever picked up where it was. I really felt like it was about our culture. And Amy Tan also came and did a talk at my school at the time. I think it was in elementary school and she she did a talk so she talked about her own upbringing. But I love that book because not only does it involve mahjong, <laughs> it centers around it. But what's interesting about that story is the relationships between the women in that book and and like I I really can recognize that cuz my mom to this day has her own little crew of girlfriends mm. that she goes to. My grandmother obviously she had her mahjong friends, right? Like the female interactions in Chinese culture, to me, are so interesting mm. because the role of a woman in traditional senses is is one where typically we are the the quieter gender, and it's really all about the boys, right? When it comes to Chinese culture, but mm. it's the women that are the loud ones. Like mm. like when you really are in it, they're the ones that have the opinions. They're the ones that are driving the ship, and in that story really focuses on those relationships and also how that impacts their own daughters and their own, their own families as well. So I loved.
2: Yeah. It's funny. Those two movies have come up a lot in our conversations over the last couple of years. I think we should totally like do a rewatch of both of them Yeah, with, with maybe with someone who's not Chinese or Indian to like, get to talk their about perspectives. It. Yeah. yeah. So quarantine comic style, we should watch those movies. on the spot. That's yeah. perfect. I'm in. What is your favorite grandmom dish? Oh, I have so many.
0: The, the irony is because my grandfather on my dad's side was a chef, he did a lot of the cooking for mm. our dinners. And so sort of, but like, I would say like, like he did, he would, he would have certain things and he would have certain things, certain recipes. The one grandma dish that I really remember is my mom's mom. She came over and helped out in our house when my little brother was born so mm-hmm. she would come over and make us dinner and just help out because at that point, my mom had three kids, and you can what it's like to have a newborn. Mm-hmm. So she was helping out a lot. One of my favorite dishes was always was curry chicken, and my mom would make it with water instead of coconut milk or anything else, right? So okay. like I okay. grew up having my mom's curry chicken. I love my mom. she's wonderful. I think I've talked about how my mom would make things like mashed potatoes out of a box so that was like. <laughs> That was the level of cuisine in our house growing up. So she would make curry chicken. She she'd dilute it with water, all that stuff. It was super yummy. Like I loved it. Then my grandma came over, and she made and she asked me what I wanted for dinner, and I was like, I want I want curry chicken. So she made it with coconut milk, and it blew my mind. It's like next
2: level shit. Yeah.
0: I was like, wait, kind of cringing
2: when you said the water. I was like, what?
0: I was like. Wait, hold on a second. It's like the first time I ate real mashed potatoes from potatoes, I was like, I have been experiencing a percentage of how awesome this food really could be. So I distinctly remember that and I remember my grandma being so shocked cuz I think I had like 3 servings of it and she was like, "Doesn't <laughs> She was like, "Doesn't your mom make this for you?" And I was like, "Yes, but not like this." And so apparently she chatted with my mom and my mom was like, my mom was like, "Your grandma used coconut milk and I never do that. And I was like, I was like, Mom, you have to start doing that from now on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So funny. What's your favorite grandma dish? I've said this dish before, a chana patura. It's like a a fried spicy flatbread with served alongside like spicy chickpeas. And honestly, in Punjabi food, which is the part of India, Punjab, where my, my family's from, fried breads, man, and it's it's so hard. It's not that it's hard to make. It's just it's not practical. So you don't yeah. eat it that often, unless you have a house where you can like make it. And even like aloo puri, so that's potatoes and like mm-hmm. fried fried puffy bread. Yep. And my grandma, and again to her credit, my mom as well, like is just like a ninja warrior at like all the fried Punjabi bread dishes, and they're just so good. And I don't eat them. Even you go to restaurants and. They don't make them there. Like very right. rarely, can you go to a restaurant and get them? Yep. Sometimes have to go to a South Indian restaurant to get it because they make the dosa, but it's not the same because they're not Punjabi. So yeah, good Punjabi grandma fried bread dishes like chana like alu gobi, yeah, just our alupuri I should say. Even paranthas, which is just it's a it's like a baked flatbread that's stuffed with potatoes and stuff. To this day, my mom when she comes visits, she'll like cook up a storm the day before. And then wrap them in foil, let them cool down, and bring them on the plane, and we just load up the freezer with them. And what's funny yeah. is I've noticed at Indian grocery stores now, in the freezer section, they have literally parantas, these flat flat stuffed breads that literally there's an auntie in New Jersey who's just like cranking them out and then selling them independently, like they're distributed yeah. by these yeah. aunties making them. And it's it's so good. So yeah, some fried bread always from grandma. Yum. Yum, yum, yum. What is your least favorite food
0: from your family
2: there's this a special curry I actually don't even know the name. it's a Punjabi curry I don't know the name of it I, my mom would call it curry chal which literally means curry and rice but it's like this yellow curry with buttermilk and it is my sister's favorite dish in the world like <laughs> hands down the thing she requests and it is right. the one dish that I have veto rights on like my, my family can make it and my parents know that like it literally triggers the gag reflex in me <laughs> so like okay ramen can have leftovers it's okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> but why don't you like it like is it just what like what ingredients are in it that i think it's the buttermilk
2: it's it's something oh, about the buttermilk and but like yeah. i'll have buttermilk pancakes and it's something about uh, i even thinking about it
0: hearing buttermilk and the word curry makes me feel like it's probably a
2: very greasy tasting
0: curry is that
2: well it's got correct? it's got fried pakoras which are like the fried fritters mm, inside of it yeah, yeah. there's yeah. just something that doesn't that doesn't sit well with me what about you what's your least favorite ethnic food from your family
0: I, I know, I hate it when we, when our guests are like, I don't have one, but I can't think of one. I can't think of one that I really dislike. I feel like there's, have you ever done hot pot, Chinese hot pot? And you put everything into boiling water. I think I like the
2: experience more than the food.
0: Yeah. So I like, I like hot pot a lot and I like most of the things. There's this one dish. I don't know what it's called officially, but it's like, it's almost like this gelatin that's made of blood. Have you ever seen anything like that? Oh, like, Lord. Like ox blood or cow's blood. Anyway, it looks like. It looks like.
2: Cranberry I feel sauce? Like
0: it looks like cranberry sauce. Yeah. It's a little bit like if you've ever had blood sausage, which is like a British dish. Anyway, it is just. It's weird. And you put it in and you heat it up in the hot pot. And when you bite into it, it's got this weird, like, tinny, like. T- it's just gross. It's blood, right? It's gross. It's just gross. So I would say. <laughs> I would say that.
2: <laughs> that checks out. That checks out. Yeah,
0: right? You, no one wants to eat. I, I genuinely,
2: I, I enjoy the experience of being around the table and having hot pot mm-hmm. more than the food itself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It depends. I think if um, in my later years, I've discovered Taiwanese hot pot, which is the, the broth is a lot spicier. Mm, I think the mm. Cantonese way, you just use like chicken broth or something. So everything's a little bland, but mm. Northern Chinese, Sichuan hot pot, like Taiwanese hot pot, they're using... Spices in the broth, so everything's flavored and seasoned mm-hmm. really well.
2: The so last time I went to China, I got really sick off of like a backwoods hot pot thing with my with Oof. my in laws. I was the one Indian guy at this warehouse full of Chinese people eating hot pot, and of course, I'm the one who got sick for the next three days. So, <laughs> yeah, hot pot. Who is someone from your family that you would want to interview on a podcast? Hmm.
0: I think I'd love to meet my mom's dad, because I've never, I've never met him. So like, I, I really don't know very much about him besides the fact that he besides how he passed and a random story or two from my mom. So hmm. I'd love to bring him on.
2: Yeah, I, it's it's kind of the same. It's my, my dad's dad, right? The one I never knew. Yeah, Even though I met my dad's mom like once or twice in my life. I have pictures and memories of her. But my dad's dad, I just know who he is. I don't know anything about him, what he was like, Right. And honestly, almost all the people who could tell me those stories, with the exception of my dad, aren't around anymore. Yeah. For this AIPA Heritage Month, what what does being a modern minority mean for you, like when it comes to family and heritage?
0: I think being a modern minority this month, and every month, related to family and heritage, means understanding where I'm, where I come from and being more connected and more aware of the people that have come before me. When I think about my own family and the journey that they've experienced, my grandfather's journey being 15 and coming over, right? My grandmother's journey of coming through Ellis Island, my other grandmother who came over because her life had to change my my own mom coming over as a student and how that trickles down and has been passed on to us. Like we, you're right in that we have it so easy. Like the things that we think are hard are so small compared to probably what they experienced with having to create these changes. And I think taking a moment to acknowledge that, but also maybe also realizing how much we are doing for our future generations. I I tend to look back a lot instead of realizing that every decision I make today is probably going to impact my future grandchildren and my great grandchildren. And
2: yeah, your kids are going to be telling a story about when I was a kid. My mom was always in the study, talking right. on a microphone, talking <laughs> to
0: some guy on a computer. Yeah, and how that's going to impact what's to come. So, I think that's what it means. How about for you? What does being a modern minority mean for you this
2: AAPI Heritage Month? Guilt. <laughs> oh, wow. Well. It, it, no, it's a uh, the acknowledgement that we have a we have a huge gap to bridge. It's. Mm. We started talking about y- your grandma passing. And in the last few years, I've had both of the grandparents and a lot of other uncles and aunties pass. And even uncles and aunties from the broader community in Alabama that I grew up with. And it's slipping. The people yeah. who can tell us these stories, who can teach us these things. There's this auntie, uh, Nina auntie, one of my mom's best friends. I remember I was home for college once it was in an Indian dinner party, so I tagged along with mom. And, you yeah, know, they were cooking some Indian food. I just, I, in fact, that Punjabi curry, I think, was the main dish that I didn't like. And I didn't want to eat it. And Nina Auntie saw that, so she brought me over to the kitchen. And uh, she's like, let me, let me show you how to make something else. And she had some leftover cold cuts. And she made me a quesadilla. Nice. And she taught me how to make it. She taught me how to make it. And that's I literally made that for my, my daughter and my wife this past weekend because we had some leftover mm. cold cuts. And I was telling them the story of Nina Auntie how she taught me that. And that's a very American thing. Col cuts, leftovers, yeah. quesadilla. Like, but it was this Indian auntie at a dinner party, right? And, and I just think, and um, Nina auntie's husband passed a couple years ago and uh, she's still around. I should write her a note. But it's just like all of these stories, all of these hacks, it's not even, yeah. they're slipping. And how do you find a way, even if it's just through the story that I told my daughter, not taking her to Chinese school, but it's like bridging the gap of, of the things that are going to disappear quickly. And even finding a way to at least get the questions down on paper, have the conversation with your parents. This this podcast originally started out as conversations with people that we wanted to have, right? Yeah. Uh, and there's just so many stories that aren't told. I don't think they all have to be passed down, but like lessons to be learned or literally how to make quesadillas. <laughs> yeah. <cold> cuts. <laughs> yeah.
0: And what I learned from that is how to have the grace in the moment to... To find a different solution, like Nina Auntie just taught me that from
2: your story. Yeah, that's literally one of the dishes I probably picked up my wife with. Was my case? <laughs> <laughs> so she helped you. Auntie.
0: She helped you to find the one. Look at that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, Sharon, I can't wait for more conversations where we can dig out family stories out of each other and our me guests. too.
0: It's it's such a pleasure to to just talk to you directly. Sometimes, because we don't, not we don't get, <laughs> not all the time, because we don't often get to do this. So thanks for, thanks for making the time to chat with me today, Roman.
2: Likewise. Talk to you soon. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Please subscribe, leave a review and a five-star rating on your favorite podcasting platform.
0: Now more than ever, people need to be hearing these stories. Please share our show with a friend or three.
2: Want to learn more? Or got something to share? Visit modmypod.com or email us. Hi mom at modmypod.com.
0: You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at modminpod. We'd love to hear from
2: you. That's it for now. I've been running Segel. And I'm
0: still Sharon Lee Tony.
2: Remember, we're all modern minorities out there.
0: We'll talk to you soon.